welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. So I know before I walked here, he's like, oh, preacher's not here. We're watching a cartoon, right? So why in the world would I play Wreck-It Ralph in the middle of a service? Well, when we watched Wreck-It Ralph, you know, he was looking for significance, right? He looked over at Felix. He saw Felix getting patted on the back. Everybody liking him, talking to him. And in Ralph's eyes, Felix was significant. And Ralph didn't feel that way. And I think each one of us in here at some point in our lives, whether it be now or in the past or it's going to happen, we've all looked at some other person that way. I want to be like them. I want what they have. I want to feel significant. And I think maybe the question we have for ourselves this Christmas is, the point that we have is all I want for Christmas is a significant life. And the question is, is that you? Do you want a significant life? Well, maybe a better question is, do you feel like you have a significant life? So we're going to look at two, two sides of that spectrum today. Um, the first one's going to be in the eyes of the world, how we find significance in the eyes of the world. And in the eyes of the world, um, they tell us a lot, it's about possessions, but before we get into that, I want you to look at the definition of significant. Now, on your, on your updates, that first line is blank, and that's because I'm going to give you some words to write down as we look through this. Significant is being sufficiently great or important or being worthy of attention. So the first one I want to write down is important, and then the next one I want you to write down is worthy of attention. Because Ralph was wanting attention, Right? If you watch, he worked by himself, and then he went home by himself, and he wanted what Felix had, and that was to have those around him. The synonyms are important, of importance, of consequence, seriousness, gravity, weight, magnitude. And the second is a meaning to be found in words or events, and the synonyms being meaning, a sense, a signification, an import, thrust, drift, gist, implication. The next word I want you to write down is message. And then you go on as essence, substance, point. And then the last thing I want you to write down is having a special or hidden meaning. So finding significance in the eyes of the world. That's what we're going to look at first. What does that mean? You know, a lot of times we're told, you know, it's about the amount of money you have or the job you have or the cars and toys you have. and It's about the people around you that make you significant. That's what the world tells us. And it's great to have stuff, right? You know, I feel, I feel really blessed to have the things that I have to get to do the things that I can do. I feel blessed to be able to sit up here in front of you guys today and just pour out to you what I feel like God's Asked me to share with you guys today. But I don't find significance in life through my possessions and my job and, and um, what I get to do. 
Now, I paint cars for a living, but I don't find significance in that um, as far as being significant in this world. You know, we have salespeople and, and we have uh, teachers and preachers and, you know, whatever your job may be, but that does not define who you are. You know, it would be a pretty boring place if every time we walked around and we'd say, hey, teacher, hey, preacher, hey, salesperson. We all have our own individualities. We all have our own names that separate us, to give us significance. You know, your name is just something small, but it's significant, right? When somebody calls your name, you turn because you know that's you. And besides, when we die, it says, he who dies with most toys still what? Lynn touched on that last week. You know, we don't take it with us, so... What's the point of finding significance in the things that we can possess? So maybe at Christmas, you're looking for significance. And that significance could come through several ways. It, um, it could be the gift that you give. I come from a split family, and I see this a lot working with um, young people and even college-age students. Um, you know, split families, often the mom and dad compete because the mom or dad wants to feel more significant in the eyes of that child. I remember one, uh, several times, I, I don't get to see my mom very much. We don't have a very close relationship. Um, uh, growing up, maybe three or four times a year, Christmas, Thanksgiving, that type of thing. And... Um, there's a couple times I remember that, you know, she'd buy this gift. But, of course, you know, I just left dad's, you know, and I'm telling everybody what I just got. And there's a couple times where he had got me what she had got me. And I don't remember telling either one what, it, you know, that I wanted that particular gift. But somehow they were competing to find that significance. They wanted the significance for me. They wanted to feel important. And parents, how long do those gifts usually last? A week, month, a couple months? Do they ever really make it to the next Christmas? Right? So what we need to find our significance, significance in is the possessions that won't fade away, the things that won't fade away. Um, I gave Brandon a gift one year, so... Before I start with that, we, you know, we talk about gifts we give. What about gifts we receive? You know, man, look what they spent on me. I must be pretty significant. But I gave Brandy a gift on Valentine's. Now, everybody in here will probably know that Brandy's the most significant person in my life next to Christ. And we had this ongoing joke for a couple of weeks, and Valentine's came up. And I wrapped this gift up. I made it real pretty and special. And I gave it to her. She opened it up. And it was a pair of odor eaters. Now, how significant do you think odor eaters make somebody feel? Well, she, we laughed because we knew it was a joke. It was, it was okay. I didn't get in a doghouse. But to somebody else, not knowing what was going on, we'd be like, I'm not feeling very significant right now. I must stink. 
right, or whatever. So we can't find our significance on the gifts we're given either, right? Just because somebody gives me a real fancy gift doesn't mean they really, really like me. Or because they give me a gift that I don't really understand like odor eaters doesn't mean that they don't like me. We can't find our significance in the things we give or we receive in the eyes of the world. The second thing I want to look at is when people give these gifts, we often look for that significance in these people. So that's our next. In the eyes of the world, you know, we often look for significance through people. Hello? God's calling. The world tells us that uh, we ought to be popular, right? In high school, you know, there's a, you know, guys want to be cool with their cars, have a bunch of friends, that type of thing. Ladies are worried about prom and homecoming and worry about what people think. I got caught up in that one time. It was senior year and they was doing superlatives and I didn't really ever care what people thought. I went to community college for the first half of the day. I'd come in from auto body school, dusty and dirty, and I didn't care. I was doing what God wanted me to do. But I also pole vaulted, and I drag raced, and a couple other things, and all of a sudden, I found myself in competition with this other guy. He was a friend, real nice guy. And we were in for the most talented. And all of a sudden, I got caught up in what people thought. Because I thought, man, in the yearbook, me on one page, I'll be significant, right? And then I got, I didn't get voted. And I took that to heart for a couple of days. And then I got over it because, like, this is stupid. Because it is, because we cannot find significance in what people think about us. Because when we please Christ, those who we need to please will follow. In Luke 6, 26, it says, What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For their ancestors also were praised or praised the false prophets. So even the ones who were doing wrong, the false prophets, were being praised by these people. So I can be doing wrong and still be praised, and that definitely isn't very significant. It says, what sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? Now, there's two ways to look at that. One, I've seen in, when looking at people in roles of leadership, whether it be in a church or a business or whatever, you know, a lot of times you got people patting you on the back, and it's because they want something. Right? We've all been there. Then I was studying this week, and I read a commentary that said, well, it could mean this. There's really only one time where a bunch of people get together in one place and talk really good about you, and that's your funeral. That's pretty sorrowful. So we have to be careful where we find our significance. Are we trying to find it in people and in popularity? A lot of times... On the flip side of that is um, 
We try to put ourselves above others. I'm better than that person. I can do better than that person. What were they thinking? And that's a hard lesson to learn because a lot of times we don't know the facts and the situation and the things that are behind what we're seeing. You may see somebody in a leadership role and you're like, they don't know what they're doing. I could do so much better than that. I've been in that situation before and God gave me the opportunity to take the place of that person. That's when you become a little bit humbled. Because you realize that the facts and situation is that person was perfectly capable of doing what they were trying to do. But maybe there's a person or maybe there's just some obstacle in the way that they couldn't get the job done. Had nothing to do with them. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a very difficult situation. And I think it happens a lot when we look at other people going, I'm better than them. I can do better than them. When what we ought to be doing is say, hey, how can I help you with what you're going through? How can I help you with your job? How can I support you? Because what happens in that situation, I'm not trying to be significant. I'm trying to make them significant. And that's what God has called us to do. Always be careful of judging others or what they're going through before you know the facts. We also look at significance through works in the eyes of the world. And there's a lot of people doing a lot of good things, especially around the holidays. But the thing that that I get uh, nervous about is when I see somebody doing something good and there's TV cameras around. And I just question, I wonder if they would be that generous, that kind, if nobody was watching. We were watching, I don't know, some show Friday night, and they were talking about sales stuff. And uh, this girl was selling candles to raise money for her schooling, but also she wanted to help other kids, and she was asking for $20, and this lady pulls out a $100 bill, let me just give you 100 and I, and that's what I said, I said, I wonder if she would have done that if that TV camera wasn't there. So we try to find significance through our works. Sometimes we've got that, I did more than you mentality, right? You know, there's a, there's, you know, People that's going to do a lot of good things, and we, we can all do good things, right? Even the ones who don't know Christ that we might think are the meanest people in the world can do good things, right? We agree on that? <clears throat> what if I went to the food pantry or soup kitchen that the church is involved in on Friday in Hickory? That's all I did. But then there's somebody else that goes Friday and then they go to Lenore on the next day and they help a family out with some food and they come to me and say, well, man, I'm a little bit better than you. I, I did three or four things for Christmas. You only did one. Can't find our significance in that. We can't find significance in the I'm, I can do better or I can do more mentality. But that's what the world tells us. Let people see you do more. Get the glory. Lift yourself up. But that's not what it's about. In fact, Paul tells us 
and all that as a bunch of garbage. He actually says a bunch of crap. In Philippians 3, 7 through 9. I'm going to read the message version because it's pretty straightforward. It says, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up, throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's dog done. I've dumped it all in, all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. If you would back up one frame for me. Right there at the end, we're talking about significance, right? And he just told us that all this is what? Insignificant. It's a bunch of junk. It's not even worth wasting your life over. It's not where you find your significance. Our significance in the eyes of God begins with our works. Begins with our works. And as we go through this, I'm going to share some stuff with you. And if you watch, everything I'm going to show you from this point on is going to be exactly backwards from what I've just shared to you previously about the eyes of the world. 1 John 4, 7 through 19 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus in this world. So love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. Verses 7 and 8 show us the, diff, the main difference between loving as a Christian and loving in the eyes of the world. 
It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, we established earlier that mean people can do good things. But why are they doing it? And only that person can answer that. But the main difference between our significance and what we're doing for others is that we're doing it out of love. We're doing it for love of God and for the love of people. That's the main difference. It's not the look at what I did mentality or I'm the better than you mentality. It's about us doing it because we love Christ. You see, we don't work for our salvation. We work because of our salvation. When I go and help somebody, I don't do it because I'm trying to earn my way into heaven. I do it because I'm already going, and I'm excited. And I want other people to be that way. Our significance is the fact that we don't try to earn our salvation. 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. That's why we do it. Did, did you love God first before you met him? Did you love your husband or wife before you met them? No, but God knew us way ahead of time. He loved us first. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 and verse 10, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, I want you to look at this last phrase. It says, he planned for us long ago. Now, I put in the word there, he planned in advance. And that's important because look at the definition again of significance. It says, sufficiently greater important, worthy of attention, importance. Synonyms are important, of importance, and consequence. But the meaning to be found in words or events is that it's a theme. Like, if you have an event, there's a reason for that event. If you go to church, there's a reason for church. You should be coming here to learn about God and be equipped to what God would have you do. There's a theme. And each one of us has a theme. And that is that the works that God puts before us are put there in advance for us to take advantage of. Now, I love the fact that God plans in advance. Um, I love taking advantage of those opportunities. And a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go test for a, a guy with a race car. And, you know, that's kind of my dream is to drive for somebody else so I don't have to 
worry about the other stuff. And I had the opportunity just to go drive. And that was awesome. But you know what was more awesome? There was this guy there by himself. And he'd come over and talk to us a little bit. And he's telling me about his car. And, but he's by himself. And I thought, I just walked away from what I was doing and went down to the start line and watched his car, watched what it did, how it reacted. And then I went back to him and said, hey, why don't you try this right here? He tried that, come back with his big grin on his face. My car has never went that fast. It has never reacted that way. And I just told you my dream is to drive somebody else's car. But it would felt better to see that smile on that guy's face to serve that guy and give him the opportunity to do something better than he ever had. Because at that point, he felt significant. He felt significant in the fact that somebody would come up to him and help him. He felt significant that his car is the best that it has ever been. Now, I didn't do a whole lot. I just gave some suggestions. But I was glad to be a part of it. I was also glad that maybe God had given me, helped me learn over the years and able to help him because, see, God had planned in advance that I would have the opportunity to help this gentleman. In James 2, 18... It says, now some may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have your good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now we're going to talk about people. We just learned that if you love God, you should love others. And we learn here that if, if you love others, then you should do stuff for others. He says, show me your faith by your good deeds. He doesn't say, show me your good deeds by your faith. Once again, we do it because God first loved us. That's where we find our significance. People in the eyes of the world that try to find our significance in the eyes of the world find it... They, in leadership, you know, we hear, you need to get to a position where people are waiting hand and foot on you. You know, if you're president, CEO of a company, you've got people doing whatever you want at your beck and call. If you're a popular movie star, you've got people waiting on you hand and foot. But Scripture tells us if you want to be significant, you've got to become less. You've got to become less. Let's look at Luke 22, 24 through 27. We've all heard this passage several times, I'm sure. He says, Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, In this world the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as the one who serves. Now, verse 27, back up one, please. Verse 27 says, who is more important? That's one of the words I had you write down, right? So right there, you could put significant. Who is more significant, the one who sits at the head of the table 
or the one who serves. It says the one who sits at the table, of course, in the eyes of the world. But here, in the eyes of Christ, I am among you as the one who serves. Whose example are we supposed to follow? Christ, right? It already said that the kings and the great men, they were popular. They had the love of their people. Christ says that we are to be less to become more. Last week, um, Lynn told me probably a month and a half or so ago, um, or asked me if I would speak this weekend, and I said, yeah. And uh, last week, I was sitting back there, service was almost over, and I just was thinking through some stuff, and I had this thought in my mind, and then Macy came forward. And for those of you here, you heard what she had to say, but the thought I had through my mind was the same thought that she shared with you guys, and that was, you can't worry about yourself if you're serving others. And she shared how, you know, her fear had just been keeping her bottled up and and just fearful of what to do, and so much so that she wasn't willing or wasn't able to, to serve others and, and do what she felt God was calling her to do. And I think a friend told her, you know, you're going to get out and serve. Because if you're serving others, you can't worry about yourself. There's no time to worry about yourself. And that's so true. When we get caught up about worrying about ourselves, we don't focus on what God has us to be doing. We don't see those opportunities that he's put in front of us in advance to make a significant impact on somebody else in such a way that makes them feel significant. Another reason we are of significance in the eyes of God is the fact that we're chosen. If we look at John 15, 16 and 17, it says, You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for. Using my name, this is my command, love each other. So he chose you. It also says there he appointed, he appointed you. That means he significantly asked you to do something. He significantly chose you, just like the significance of your name, God, that God knows, that's how significant you are to him. And then right there it says, um, he chose you, he appointed you. A synonym for the word appointed can also mean equipped. How many of you would like to go to your job and not have the tools or whatever it takes to do your job? You didn't have it that day. Would you get anything done? Probably very little, right? I mean, it's aggravating to get get somewhere and get to doing something, man, I don't have anything. But it says God has equipped you to go and produce lasting fruit. A few weeks ago, I was doing some metal work in the shop, and I needed to make a real intricate cut, and I couldn't find my tin snips. I've got three pair, and none of them were there, and I found them at the house. My lovely wife had taken them out of the shop, and I was like, man. It was aggravating trying to make that cut, not having the right tool. I, I fought and fought and fought before I went to the house and found them because I remember she'd come down there the day before and said, hey, can I borrow these? I'll bring them right back. 
They didn't make it right back. But some of this stuff up here, while she was using it, she was getting ready, trying to decorate, and she was cutting a little stuff, and maybe some of you bought the little ornaments upstairs last week. She was, she was using it for that. But it's real aggravating. But the fact of the matter is, he says, I equip you to go and produce lasting fruit. He gives us everything we need. There will be no frustration of, oh, I don't have what I need to serve this person. Because if you think about, about times that you've been able to help somebody, after it's over, it's like, how did that even happen? I shouldn't even have what I had to be able to help this person. Or I didn't really have time, but God made it work out where I had time and I got to where I needed to be and I'm earlier, the person I was supposed to meet was late or whatever. It all works out. Any of you ever worried about... Um, a bill or like maybe the car breaks. A couple of weeks ago, all or both our cars, the transmission fell out within two weeks of each other. And I was like, I don't know, world is this going to get fixed? We don't have nothing to drive. But it's when we let those things go, right, that we don't worry about ourselves, that somehow they, things fall in place for them to get fixed. Did God not tell us in Scripture that we don't need to worry, that he will take care of us, that today has enough worry of its own? Don't be worried about tomorrow. Don't worry about how the car's going to get fixed tomorrow. Today's got enough trouble, right? Don't worry about it. He's going to equip us. That's how we're significant, because he's already equipped us. He already gave us the tools. He already gave us the means. He's already, he knows the car's going to break next week, and he knows how he's going to take care of it if you let him. When we... Don't worry about ourselves and try to put others first is when things really pan out and God is allowed to work. The world would tell us about our, our possessions that we need to have them, right? We talked about that earlier. As scripture said, he equips us to make and produce lasting fruit or possessions. The world says, get all you can while you can. Keep it, hoard it up. But Matthew 6, 19 through 21 tells us, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. So what does that mean? Don't store up treasures here on earth. Store them in heaven. So does that mean when we take up offering that Brandy goes back here in the office and there's some magical elevator that takes it on up to heaven? No. That's not what it means. What he's talking about is heavenly treasure in earthly vessels. You see, as you get to know someone, and you're, you're trying to serve them or just befriend them, making them significant, you're, you get to realize who they are. You get to realize what their life's like. You get to realize, are they trying to find significance in the eyes of God? Or are they trying to find significance in the eyes of the world? It says, back up one, please. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. See, as we're walking along with 
God, and we're like, God, I want to be significant in your eyes. What do you want me to be doing? As we do that and we grow close to God, the desires of God's heart becomes the desires of our heart. That image of the dude ripping the heart out of the mummy keeps coming to my mind when I think about that, that, you know, what's inside is what really matters, right? And when God's desires are being placed in our hearts through our relationship with him and learning from him and walking with him and, God, what do you want me to do to serve you in a way that serves others? His desires are our desires, and that's where our treasure is. I told earlier service, you know, it's all right to have stuff. We talked about that earlier. And sometimes when I'm buying something, when we did the BMX ministry, you know, that was a very tight budgeted ministry. It takes a lot of work to do it. And, you know, I would try to do stuff for the kids. I try to buy ramps, um, make sure my bike worked so I could ride with them. And every time I had to make that purchase, I had to back up just a second and go, does this affect what may happen next week? If I spend $300 on wood for a ramp, is that going to be $300 that I cannot use to help somebody next week? Or whatever the case may be. So even when we purchase stuff, we need to make sure that the desire of our heart is right. Do I just want this to get it and have it? It's all right to have stuff. But we've got to make sure that it doesn't interfere with the desires of God's heart that he's placed in our heart. We've got to be careful with that. Luke 12, 33 through 34 is just backing up what I've been saying. To sell your possessions and give to those in need, this will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasures will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So here's my tough question for you guys today. And I'm going to let you ponder on it for a second before I move on. And it's simply this. Do you treasure Christ and salvation over yourself? Do you treasure Christ and the salvation he offers over yourself. A good way to, to recognize that in your life is the treasures or possessions that you want or have um, are they desires of God or just desires of the world? Do you want that car as a 16-year-old boy, so your friends are like you. You know, that's a question you have to ask. Do you want whatever, even work, sports, whatever. You want to play a certain sport because that'll make you popular in school. These are the desires we have just to keep us in check on what God wants us to do. Because, again, our significant Significance cannot be in our possessions, and our significance cannot be in how popular we are at work or at school or wherever the case may be. 
And the last, one of the last points of why we're significant in the eyes of God, we looked at definition again. I had you write down the word message. And next to that, I had you write having a special or hidden meaning. We all have a message of some sort. If you know Christ and you value his salvation he's given you, you have a story to tell to those who you meet. You have this hidden special meaning in your life that people want to know about. A few years ago, Brandy and I, we were going to go visit family for Christmas. I knew we you know, should be taking gifts, but we didn't have the money. We were going to Greensboro. My grandma was going to have everybody over. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I was into my, doing my Bible study one morning. I was in Acts chapter 3. And God revealed to me, one, what to do, and two, what was important. In Acts 3, verses 1 through 8, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. So I was reading that. And one, I figure out what's most important. Christ. And number two, I have this message, this special hitting meaning that I am to give to other people. So we had a few Bibles left over from the BMX ministry, from the outreach we did that year. And we had just enough really nice ones. They were leather back. And I said, all right, God, I'll do it. So I thought about the people that were going to be, here, be there and the family members. And let's start off with the first one. The first person I knew, he finds his significance in the eyes of the world. And I don't say that to be mean because this is my brother. I'm just being truthful with him. And he likes money. So that's, that's the focus. So like, all right. So I went through the Bible and I, I marked every place there was about what God said about money, how to use it, what we should do with it, what his views are on it. And then I made that list and I folded it up, stuck it in the Bible and still all the spots are marked. And then I went to another person who I knew starting a family, had three young kids. I was like, what would be better than to know how to be a godly father? So I went through and I found all the scripture. I did some research, found some more, and I marked all the spots. And I put that piece of paper in with the list on it as well. I did that for several people. And I wrapped it up real nice and I gave it to them. But also in giving that to them, I basically told them the same story I just told you. I didn't know what to give you guys for Christmas, but God spoke to me through this message, so I'm sharing this with you. And then I handed each, 
each one that gift. Because, see, we have this hidden message, this, this meaning in our lives when we know Christ that we need to share with other people. That's what makes us significant. Matthew 5, 13. Can you back up, please? There we go. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Now think about that just for a minute. He's talking to each one of you personally. He says, you are the salt of the earth. In other words, you are the flavor of this earth. Now I don't, I don't know that I've ever tasted a food that didn't have some kind of flavor, whether good or bad. Only thing I'd come close to would be water, but it still has some kind of flavor. And sometimes if you drink the water in Guatemala, it's not a good flavor. But nonetheless, everything has flavor. But he says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. But you are the flavor of this earth. You are what brings significance to this earth. And then he says, you are a light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And I thought about that. How can I illustrate that? Because, you know, we always think about the pretty little picture with the church on the hill. But I got to thinking, when you go up through 21, even Lenore up toward Boone, if you look on top of a mountain, there's a flashing light, right? And what's that flashing light telling us? That there's a mountain there. There's something in the way. That light's telling us, hey, I can save your life if you just watch me, right? We are that light. We are the light that can keep someone from death. That's our significance. We're the flavor of this earth, and we are the light to guide them so that they do not die. Peter and John gave a message to that guy that day. You see, that guy, it says he was a man, so he wasn't a teenager. And it said he was that way from, earth, from birth. And every time the doors open on the church, this man will be placed right outside these doors. He'd be sitting right here, right? Now, if y'all are like me, I come in pretty late every Sunday. But when I get right here, I know what's going on in here, right? You can hear the music. You can hear land, you can hear whatever's going on. Every time there was a service, that man was brought to that door and dropped off. See, he was on the outside looking for significance. And then one day, Peter and John come up to him and said, if you want significance, this is what you need and I will give it to you. When Peter and John shared what God had to offer to, to that man outside the door, what did he do? Where did he go? He got up, praising God, and walked into the temple. He had found his significance. You see, when we're trying to talk to people and get to know them, we need to know where they're finding their significance because they are trying to find it in possessions and people. 
and trying to do good things that they expect to make them feel better or look better. Our significance in the eyes of God is opposite than seen in the eyes of the world. If you noticed that when we started, it said that we talked about, you know what? Our possessions are more important in the eyes of the world. They're more important than the people that are around us. And those people are really more important than anything we could ever do for them. But in the eyes of God, our significance comes from the fact that we have a work, a story to tell, a hidden meaning. And when we do these works, we're giving people an everlasting possession. That's where we find our significance. We are significant because our work is helping people receive a possession that cannot be taken away or destroyed. So I'm going to leave you with this one more time today as we go time of invitation. I'll have the band come on up and get ready. But um, the tough question is this. Do you value Christ and his salvation over yourself? Because when we find significance in the salvation he offers, there's nothing significant the world can offer us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. Father, I pray that as we go through this holiday season with the stress and the just to trying to please everyone and get everything done, Father, that we would stop just for a moment and realize that our significance is in you and you alone. No matter what gift we're given at Christmas or no matter what gift we give someone else, we cannot find significance in that, but only in the gift that you give us that's everlasting that will never fade away. Father, I just ask right now that if there's anyone in here that does not find their significance in you and has been searching, has been standing outside the temple waiting for someone to share how significant they are because of your love. Father, I pray that you would touch their hearts right now. Father, be with us at this time. I pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.